Hey everybody, before we begin, just a friendly reminder to follow and interact with us on Twitter and Instagram at PlazDeltaPod. Gardener since 2007, Spanish and agriculture teacher Kenny Gill joined us on this episode of Plus Delta to share his knowledge and experiences as a gardener. Inspired by the remodel of an urban micro-homestead he calls Castle Garden, Gill has developed a hobby and way of life we can all learn from. Hope you enjoy this episode of Plus Delta. Also, we're doing a live in-person interview, so we're excited about this. Yeah, this is our second live interview, and we're going to tell you exactly why we're doing it live in just a moment. Uh, with that being said, Kenny, thank you for your time, and would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to our guests, or uh, not our guests, our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> yeah, well, they're guests too, but uh, yeah. yeah, so my name is Kenny Gill. I am a teacher at an inner city high school in Hillsborough County. Um, I guess the topic we're uh, going to be discussing here is agri- agriculture. I am uh, currently working uh, with uh, the students here to teach them how to grow their own food, raise their own uh, small uh, uh, livestock. And um, going back, you know, this I didn't grow up doing this. I wasn't raised on a farm. I wasn't raised uh, with a garden. I mean, maybe we had a couple of uh, pepper plants, tomato plants, and stuff like that growing up. But yeah, it, it's something that I just kind of like discovered as I was uh, in college. I was staying with the friends. We ate a salad and I saved the seeds out of a tomato and planted them in a little uh, paper towel in a water bottle and set on the porch and they started growing. And from there, you know, my love of gardening took off. Were you successful with that first gardening? Absolutely not. <laughs> Tomatoes don't grow on paper towels. <laughs> well, that's a first. <laughs> so, I mean, there is hydroponic gardening, which um, we're going to be uh, learning about here with my students at the school. Uh, but you need to put some nutrients, obviously, in there for the plants. And, and they need sunlight, more sunlight than you get on, like, a balcony of an apartment. Although, uh, we'll maybe talk about that later. But there are some things you can do if you are interested in growing your own food and you live in an apartment. Um, there's some stuff that will work. Yeah, I guess the reason I ask is because like I feel like a lot of people try gardening, but once they like have their first unsuccessful experience, they're like, nope, not for me, and then that's the end of it. So what made you stick with it? Um, so I was part of a group of students uh, at the University of South Florida uh, called Gold Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, another one. Wait, uh, wait, wait. What's Gold Bulls? Go, go Bulls. Bulls. Oh, Go no, Bulls. Oh. Bulls. <laughs> yes. So well, they're Jerome. I was say, I'm a USF alumni as well. I was all like, Go oh, Bulls? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> they clean my ears this morning. But uh, no, so 
I was part of a group called the Alliance for Concerned Students, and we had a couple of different uh, focuses, but one of them was on um, kind of like agriculture and sustainability, and the university had a very uh, large parcel of land that we were trying to um, get permission to use um, to start a garden to then be able to supply produce mm-hmm. to the um, student dining facilities. And so we went through meeting after meeting after meeting. I mean, I don't know how many meetings I went to talking about starting this community slash student garden program. And I had never even seen a plant. And so um, one day I just planted all these seeds. I was at home. I planted all these tomato seeds and brought tomato plants to everyone at the meeting. And I said, like, go plant this, like grow something. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, I've kind of seen myself as more of like, uh, a doer than like the the thinker and the planner gotcha. and so it, it's I mean there is something to say about planning and and you talking about like people having their uh, first gardening experience and then failing at it um, a lot of that is due to failure of planning so as I've gotten more mm-hmm. experience I've learned to plan out my gardens and look at the timing of things and stuff like that but uh, to get started with you just have to put seeds in the ground and I think that meetings uh, can be pointless after a while. Like, after, like, the first or second one, you know, you already have a plan on what you need to do. Just go out and just go do it and then go back and see, like, what do we need to adjust and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. There, And that's that's true of gardening, too, you know. It's like you plant things and then you see things aren't working. So you adjust and next year you do it a little bit differently and always looking to improve. Um, so... Yeah, sometimes sitting in, in, in a meeting and discussing and trying to figure everything out. It's just, yeah, it's pointless. I, I, I agree yeah. with you. It, <laughs> I, again, like I said, I'm a doer. I'm just like, you know, I put solar a solar system in my house, and we can talk about that later too. But um, some people just get fixated on all the details, and it's like you never get anything done that way. Right. Yeah, I'm guilty of that. What would you say was the first thing that you planted that you were successful with? Oh, um, I remember growing uh i started a small garden at my parents house they gave me like a corner of the yard and said like okay you can do whatever uh over here and uh that was generous because they had just laid sod like maybe a Mm. year before and it was like beautiful and growing well and they let me rip all that out (laughs) probably like a 10 by 20 area and um i grew lettuce really well and i grew some carrots that were kind of decent but they weren't like you know the ones you're gonna buy in the store right um, and that was really exciting because carrot i love growing root vegetables because there's such an anticipation about what's actually growing because you can't right see you can't it. see it uh-huh. like if you're growing tomatoes you know you see the little flowers and then you see the little fruits and you watch them grow and you can kind of monitor the whole process but like potatoes carrots garlic all those uh radishes you Green onions. Green onions, too. Yeah, you you have no idea what's going on below the soil surface. I mean, you can get some clues. And just because, like, a carrot has a huge top growing above the ground, you could pull it out and there's nothing there if the soil nutrients are lacking or something. Uh, But, um, yeah, so carrots were were successful. And herbs, I grew a lot of, like, parsley and and cilantro and stuff like that. Those are, uh, in my experience, they they were... pretty easy Uh, i didn't believe at the time in like uh, fertilizing my garden and stuff like that i was all about the compost and kind of like manures and things and those are good for your garden Um, but if your soil is lacking nutrition compost and 
those type of things just aren't going to make up for huge deficiencies in, in nutrients. So, and we can talk a little bit more maybe about uh, no, what, I actually what people have something can do to say or, yeah. about that because um, I've right now I have a couple of herbs. I have basil, rosemary, and sweet mint uh, growing in, I guess, my garden or pots uh, out in my backyard. Um, but I, a couple years ago, uh, Rob and I, we actually did, uh, a raised bed and we had, uh, green beans and, um, collard greens, lemongrass, and what was the other one? It was tomatoes. Yeah. Cause tomato and basil, I guess like they work well together because I, I guess they give off certain nutrients to each other. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know about the whole uh, botany of that and, and chemistry, so... <laughs> yeah, there's there's some uh, an idea called of uh, companion planting, and, you know, there's certain uh, chemical relationships that are formed. Certain plants can repel certain insects. Um, there's still a lot to be learned about it, and there's more experimentation to be done. Um, but, yeah, there are some observations that plants play uh, a role in supporting one another and i think that with um gardening when i look at it it's a it's a very daunting uh aspect because there's so many things that you can do what can you like start with uh first so a lot of people will be intimidated yeah by that like startup factor I recommend that if you're just getting into gardening, um, go with something like an earth box. They sell these little plastic bins. Actually, one of the uh, a friend of mine, he, if you live in the, the Tampa Hillsborough County area, uh, they had these big uh, blue or green recycling bins, mm-hmm. and some of you may remember them. Um, they have. Uh, like the perfect shape and size for growing stuff. So if you have one of those kicking around that you're like, I've just had this laying on the side of the house for a while, you can go and buy some decent potting mix, not garden soil, because garden soil is too heavy and dense and your roots will essentially suffocate and the plants will die. Hmm. But if you get potting soil, it has some other ingredients in there that help it to uh, hold air. Most people know that plants need water, they need light and they need nutrients, but plant roots also need oxygen. So mm-hmm. if your soil is too heavy, it's not good for your plant. So use potting soil in there. Uh, but you can also, if you don't have one of those recycling bins, you can go and uh, get a, a couple of different gardening stores um, around the area. They carry them. They're called earth boxes. They're about, I don't know, a foot and a half by maybe like three feet long, something like that. And uh, you put some decent soil in there, you can amend it, and then plant some herbs. Um, the University of Florida um, has... A, planting guides so you can follow those and they'll tell you if you're in north florida central florida south florida what is good to plant at each time interval so Hmm. every month or if you're on instagram you can follow uh uf ifas that's u-f-i-f-a-s um and they have a planting calendar uh well it's it's like every month at the beginning of the month, they'll they'll do a post and they'll say, you know, here's what you can plant this month. Right. Yeah. And they break it down by seed, by transplants, and by um, uh, direct seeding. Hmm. So it's that I think that's where people go wrong is um, planting the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, Tell us more like, about that. Like, what, what do you mean, like planting the wrong thing at the wrong time? So, 
Florida has a unique population. We get a lot of people moving down from other states. Um, and in addition to that, just new gardeners who are like, oh, you know, I'm used to eating this from the grocery store during all year. So we don't really understand the seasons of when things grow. Um, I think that's one of the issues that globalization has created is we're used to just having peaches, everything at all times. All year yeah. Or, you know, and like in Florida, there is a peach season and, and there are peaches we can grow here in Florida. Um, but in any case, yeah, there's certain plants that like cooler weather. If you're trying to grow cabbage in July and August, good luck. You're going to have huge issues with the plant just being stressed out from the heat. You're going to have the plant being stressed out because it's being attacked by caterpillars. Um, there's lots of, of things that can go wrong with trying to grow cabbage in August. And people will say, well, what can I spray to kill the caterpillars? You're fighting uphill battle. Just pull out the cabbage and plant some collards. Plant and you're some... damaging the environment if you're going to try to spray everything as right, well. Right, especially if you're using harsh uh, insecticides or larvicides or those type of things. Um, there are, like if you're in the right season and you're growing the right, for example, I plant cucumbers in the spring and I'll plant cucumbers, you know, starting uh, probably around October. When the wet, when we start to get a little bit of cooler nights, uh, I will go ahead and plant my, my cucumbers again. But because the daytime temperatures are warm, we do still have some pressure from those insects. I will spray Bt and that is a bacteria that's naturally present in the soil um, that is cultivated and uh, essentially uh, reduced down into a concentrate and you can spray that on plants and the, back, the caterpillars eat those bacteria and it causes the caterpillars to, um, uh, well, they don't survive, they, they'll, they'll die. Um, but yeah, there's, there's certain levels of treatment or uh, ways to deal with things. And, backing up for a minute when you're gardening if you look into ipm that's integrated pest management it's like a pyramid and it directs growers on how to handle um situations in their growing so the first one is uh one of the best management practices is like we said right plant right place right, right time, time. Mm -hmm. that's the first way you stop uh pests. The second one is by choosing cultivars or varieties. So if you're used to going to the grocery store and buying carrots, great. That's carrots. But what kind of carrots? What right. carrots are suitable to this environment? Right. So we have carrots that are uh, new Corota carrot. That's a, a carrot that's bred to deal with heat. It can You can grow carrots through July. Whereas if you try to grow a typical, you know, um, like a purple carrot. Well, some of the, yeah, there's there's different varieties of carrots that don't handle heat in any case. So, yeah, you plant the right, plant right place, right time, plant the right variety, and then when you get pests, I, if I see a caterpillar, I don't spray immediately. I might go and pick them off, and my chickens love caterpillars, so I don't mind a few caterpillars here and there. Now, so that's manual removal. The next step would be to spray a an organic type of of, uh, of spray that's mm -hmm. it's called a biological control so you could do that or another uh biological control for them is wasp wasp eat caterpillars and so if you have a garden and you're constantly 
uh, busting out the wasp spray every time you see a, a nest around your house. Now, if you're allergic, go ahead and get rid of them, obviously, right, for your own health and safety. But if they're in an area that you don't frequent often, like mm-hmm. I leave them under the eave of my house on the, the side that we don't ever really walk over there. And that's good. That's like, you know, they're working for me. They're coming flying down into the garden. They're picking up caterpillars and feeding them to their young and all that kind of, of thing. So, you know, nature has a way of balancing itself, itself out. Yeah. I never knew that wasps, to be honest with you. I just thought that they were just natural predators and just killed things just for they're no... assholes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're just here to piss you off. That's the only purpose for wasps. That's the only purpose I see wasps for. I didn't know that like they actually can maintain a pest out of your garden. <laughs> yeah, so it's incredible. Nature, you know, the more you look at it. And so we can, uh, on the topic of pests, as a gardener, you know, especially a new gardener, um, you tend to see bugs as just that, bugs. Mm-hmm. The gross things that are in their way. <laughs> right, get rid of them. Yeah. But, uh, you know... Like earthworms, yeah. isn't earthworms like actually good for the the so- the soil and yeah, all that stuff? They're fantastic. You know the the frass or the excrement from the worms that it, it's very uh, nutrient rich and feeds your plants. The earthworms tunnel. They uh, create those little pathways. That way, when it rains, the water kind of naturally has a place to soak into the soil. That those little air spaces. Again, like I said, the roots need air, so they help aerate mm-hmm. the soil. Um, and then. Um, we talk about fertilizing and nutrition for your plants. Um, really, when you put fertilizer down, especially like the organics, organic fertilizers, there's a different idea than people think. Uh, you're not giving nutrients to the plants. You're giving nutrients to the micro uh, microbiota that's in the soil. Mm. So, like, you can put chicken manure in the soil plants don't care they don't need chicken manure right but the bacteria and the fungi in the soil uh break that stuff down and what results is then uh soluble in the soil and the roots can take it up gotcha so it's like the whole system working together it's not you directly feeding the plant any of these things right exactly so then cow manure chicken manure is actually good for soil and for plants because of the for the bacteria and stuff stuff. but and then the plants take the stuff okay so you feed the soil the soil feeds the plants okay got it got it so then it it continues that cycle yep yeah and we're we're constantly pulling stuff out of the garden right if we it's not a closed loop so you're Mm -hmm. constantly having to reapply uh nutrients to the soil Mm. sorry and what i was gonna say this is true not just for like vegetables and fruits but for flowers in general too like if i went to garden flowers as well oh yeah absolutely yeah the, the flowers um will probably i'm not a flower farmer shout out to daniel meshke over in clearwater she's an excellent flower farmer you can look her up on uh instagram she is um oh my god rewild blossoms she makes beautiful bouquets using all flowers she grows here in florida she does events and uh, weddings and all kind of stuff like that but um, if you're growing flowers you can um, expect that they're going to be a little bit less nutrient hungry sure because they're they're not producing you know fruits and stuff like that but uh, they do definitely need some soil amendments and you'll probably notice but you know 
it, it's hard for people getting into gardening because it can be overwhelming the amount of information you know every plant needs in if you're trying to grow certain things really really well you've got to tune uh tune the soil and the nutrients to those things but in general there's some things that are pretty consistent um but with flowers you know it's some like drier soil some like no nitrogen they, they if you feed them too much nitrogen you get lots of leaves but no flowers hmm. so you know it, it's very difficult but you can just go to google and and pop in like how to grow african daisies or something you know and they'll right. tell you like oh these plants love hot weather and they like dry soil so i know i i at first i had a tendency to kill a lot of plants because i would overwater them yeah but then you start little by little learning what plants like what and you know your peppers okay don't water them so much because the, the leaves will be droopy and you'll kill the plants or you know cucumbers you got to give them lots of water they'll they'll appreciate it so then uh, earlier you were talking about um native versus non-native uh with plants and how especially like people who come from different uh states especially our snowbirds uh which, if uh, for our listeners, snowbirds are people who usually come from uh, northern states, uh, such as like New York, uh, Maine, and then they come here for the spring. And what I'm thinking of is that why is it important to know the difference between like native and non-native uh, plants? So when you're thinking about landscaping your yard, especially for those people who who are only here for part of the year, but not just for them. Uh, we have a lot of plants here in Florida that will grow beautiful flowers, um, interesting textures for your garden, and they require very little irrigation and very little fertilizer. They're adapted to our soil types here. Um, we know currently uh, we're dealing with some issues in our bay uh, with algal blooms and fish die-offs and stuff like that. And you have to be careful with your fertilizer. If you're applying it during the summer, uh, which we actually have a fertilizer ban in certain parts of, of Florida. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, like right now, you cannot go buy fertilizer in a garden center. They're banned from selling it in the city of Tampa, I don't recall Hillsborough County. I live in, in, in Tampa, so I know what our rules are here, but you can just Google fertilizer ban and then whatever city or, or county you live in. But in any case, if you're putting those fertilizers on because you're trying to grow things that are not from here and you may live near a creek or a stream or if you have a sewer drain nearby, all those things lead to, oh, it runs off. to the bay. Right. And it runs off. Not all the fertilizer makes it to the roots of the plants and into the, the plant system. So uh, you, that contributes. Now, I don't know how everybody feels, but there's some people who are, or corporations we can say, who are, are, are at blame for at least a portion of what's happening. Um, but I also believe that we as individuals should be doing what we can. I mean, I can't control a corporation um, I can write a letter to, to my representatives and stuff, but which you know you should do as well. But in the think local, think micro, um, I can plant things in my yard that don't require me to fertilize them as much. 
that fertilizer ban, by the way, here in Tampa does not apply to vegetables and, and fruits. Um, you're allowed to fertilize your, your gardens if you're growing for your consumption, but for ornamentals and, and landscape plants and stuff like that, you should not be applying at this time unless you're licensed to do so. And I think in the grand scheme of things, if you want to go to, let's say, the beach and enjoy going to the beach without breathing in all the, what I don't toxins. know. Yeah, the toxins and, like, you know, have respiratory, like, infections. I think that that would be a, a, a great start because I know the last time I uh, went to the beach when there was a red tide, first of all, it smelled, it was yeah, disgusting. It's with, yeah, it's terrible with, like, dead fish. Um, I mean, no one was out. It was, it, it was kind of apocalyptic. Uh, to, apocalyptic? Yeah, apocalyptic. <laughs> yeah, that's my new word of the day, y'all. Um, and so I, I felt like that it really does affect, um, I know, our businesses and tourism because that's the main attraction in Florida. So I think that we have to be aware of that. So then I had a question because I feel like a lot of the times when we think about going green and making sure we're doing things right for the environment, we want to do like create our own gardens and stuff, but you kind of mentioned that it can also be harmful if not done properly. So like using the fertilizers that can go into the runoff and go back out into the bay. So if I'm thinking about things that are happening with like red tide and everything else, how much of that red tide or whatever else is going on as a pollutant affecting my agriculture system and then how much is it me as a growing agriculture if that's even a word properly uh would affect back what's going on if i if i'm understanding the question i think when you're gardening you have to look at your intent you know mm. I, I talk to people and they say you know they're gardening to save money well I, I need to learn from those people because gardening <laughs> is not cheap. You know, I, I spend a lot of money on seeds and and um, just resources for the garden and and it's time too, which is money, right? You right. could be spending that with your family or, or with other people, but instead you're out there, you know, tending to the garden. So. Uh, as far as like whether it's saving money now on the other hand like is it benefiting the environment to do it that way my perspective is that um, I'm saving food miles so you're looking mm. at your carbon footprint um, I think that if you're growing enough food that you're not having to have it shipped from California right. then there's definitely some uh, benefits there. They're having all those wildfires as well. In so. droughts, yeah, you know, they're, yeah, they're so they're probably strained. Right. It's it's definitely, you know, and that was speaking of the word strain. That was uh, what really lit a fire under me. Not no pun intended. There talking about California, <laughs> but um, is the the pandemic when it hit and like not seeing eggs on the shelf and not seeing flour and stuff like that so i look to um what people were growing in the tropics as staples being that we're in central borderline southern florida um and i planted things like cassava and more bananas and things that could get us through um 
if you know it got really bad and my go i put in like five new garden beds and you know started talking to neighbors about like hey can we start using this space over here just in case you know and mm-hmm. and so like that aspect of being able to take the strain off of the food system because there are lots of people who live in the city and don't have access to land to be able to garden so you know what i'm producing is what someone else is able to eat right so then you mentioned that having the space to that so i'm going to kind of bring us back to something we talked about what if i live in an apartment what kind of growing and gardening can i do them well so that, that land? Yeah. yeah that goes back to to my story about how I got into gardening, right? We were living in an apartment and uh, just had a balcony. Depending on the orientation of your apartment, um, that's gonna be a big, big factor. If you have a balcony that catches some, you know, morning to afternoon sun, then you're in a, in a decent position or, you know, even from afternoon to evening sun. Right. If you've got like, just you're facing north and no sun exposure, it's going to be tough. You, I don't know too many plants that, that are edible that tolerate that. You might try like a lettuce or bok choy, but plants need sunlight right. to produce uh, carbohydrates. So, But if you can get like four hours of sunlight, you can produce bok choy. You can produce some lettuce. You can produce some herbs. Your fruiting vegetables and your rooting vegetables need six to preferably like eight hours of sunlight so that that's going to be your limiting factor is how much sun you have but you can definitely do earth boxes you can do hanging baskets you can mm-hmm. um what about arrow gardens are those efficient like the ones that you have like inside and you have like a light and so I think they're fun and interesting and they're educational. <laughs> <laughs> he say nah. <laughs> Don't do that. My thing with these is and there there's definitely, you know, plus and minuses, but like we're starting to see a lot more grow operate indoor grow operations where they're like um, growing all these leafy greens and stuff in warehouses with grow lights and things. But I just wonder where is all that energy coming from to run lights for hours and hours of day and water filters and pumps and stuff like that so like you're you're now tasking our system our energy system with putting up with all of that when the sun is free outside Um, right now the 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 plus side of that is you don't have to spray for bugs and stuff because you're in a controlled environment so there are those benefits um, as far as like those systems that you're talking about with the grow lights, um, I do have one here in my classroom and I use it to, to kind of teach the kids that, you know, we can grow things hydroponically indoors and stuff like that. But on a larger scale, I don't know how much, like without a fortune of an electric bill, LED lighting and stuff is helping us now. It's more efficient, but still, it, if you're trying to, produce your own food i i don't know i don't have a lot of experience with it but just in my uh research and stuff i don't think there's enough seem like there's a lot of consumption with like maybe with energy and electricity that it may not reap the benefits of having your kale salad (laughs) (laughs) so uh speaking about uh education one thing that i'm seeing like a parallel uh talking to you kenny is about 
education and agriculture like how do they uh, both mix together like in your perspective in your world so the history of those two things is really interesting um, many people don't know that our university system here in Florida was founded on uh, land-grant universities the mm. federal government gave uh, certain uh, allotments to different areas so uh, University of Florida for example is a land-grant university and they set it up to do agricultural education so that we could learn to farm and uh, increase our yields and stuff like that uh, while um, anyway so basically um, Education is, is founded on, on the connection with agriculture. Here locally with what I'm doing, there's so many people who don't understand, so many kids who don't understand um, what has to be done in order to get food on their plate. Uh, and they don't understand the connection between you know, environmental stewardship and their own health. Mm. So... You know, what we're buying in the grocery stores, even organic produce, when it has that organic label on it, if you go and you look at the list of what is acceptable practices in organic agriculture, um, there are still chemicals that are not great for us that are being applied to those things, to those, mm -hmm. those plants that produce. Uh, Ooh, what are they, if you, if you know any? Um, so, like... Tobacco dust is a traditionally used product that helps. It's an insecticide. The nicotine in it, right? Well, is a, is a. I'm not an expert on this, so forgive me if this is inaccurate. But I believe nicotine is like a neurotoxin, mm -hmm. and so it affects the 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 insects and and kills them. So that is acceptable to use in organic agriculture, and they do a deconcoction of, of nicotine of some sort and use that. There, um, there's some other chemicals. It's been a while since I looked at that list, but um, there, there is, if you just look up, you know, uh, approved chemicals for organic agriculture, you can find all the things that are acceptable to use and make your determination. I, as a home gardener, uh, choose not to use those things. I, I, I make two exceptions uh, because it is very, very difficult in Florida, in this area, on my property to grow squash and cucumbers without any intervention chemically. They're less toxic, but they still do pose some danger to bees. I keep bees on my property too, so I'm, I, I'm very cognizant of what I'm using and how it affects the bees and, and other insects. But BT and Spinosad or Spinosid, I forget how it's pronounced, those two chemicals um, are both biological controls that I'll put on my garden in, in moderation. And then so with the knowing about that, how do you raise awareness uh, in teaching like students about agriculture and about yeah, the environment? That's what I was going to ask because like, I just think of like – I'm a student, I believe you say you teach high school. So if I'm a high school student, I'm just thinking about everything else that it's going on in life. Why, how do you get me to care about agriculture and all, you know, these things? And I'm just like, eh, 
eh, I'll just go to McDonald's. You know, that's cheap. That's easy. Even though it's clearly not good for me. Yeah, and even, like, <laughs> nearby, like, you can't even think of the amount of fast food restaurants. I mean, like, we passed the Popeyes, the McDonald's, they... Um, checkers, I think. Yeah, yeah, checkers as well, like, within a mile. But, you know, I think there's only one uh, community garden that's on 22nd uh, Street and all that stuff. Like, And then there's... I think there's, what, Tampa Heights has a community garden? Um, oh, I should know this. But, yeah, there's a Tampa Heights community garden. There's one uh, that's down, like, towards Ebor area. There's yeah. There's a big one back in there. Um, yeah. But, and that, yeah, that's the question, right? Is, like, how do we get people to care? Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't usually happen, in my experience, until someone has to you know have a a heart surgery or something they were like oh shoot my health is really bad like i need to start eating healthy um as far as the kids um and sorry if i have like sort of a pessimistic uh uh no keep it real it's be honest I've, i've been teaching agriculture for one year and i just in my personal life i don't i don't like to try to convince people because yeah. I found that it doesn't really do anything. You just face opposition and, and right. create animosity. So I just do what I do and hope others take notice. I think that's the only thing you can really do. Yeah. Uh, br- I, bringing kids into the classroom and like having them pull carrots out of the ground and try a vegetable that they grew themselves. Because uh, I know for myself personally, I don't like eggplant. But if I grow an eggplant and eggplants do grow fairly easily here, um, I'm more likely to eat it. So, right, because it's like the fruit, no the pun fruit intended, of, but the fruits right. of your labor. Right. <laughs> so, you know, you're, you're just more likely to eat stuff that you put work into. Uh, so my students will go out there and they'll pull some carrots or beets. The beets were funny last year. They were just like... Um, you know what what is this you know they didn't know we planted this from seeds and they they saw the pictures but i don't think even most adults probably either don't like beets or don't eat beets often even if they like them it's just not a vegetable that most most people people, yeah but it's so i i think that if you cook it well and you know i i like having it with uh ham or having i like having it with some type of meat and then just put like a balsamic vinegar on it oh my god it's so good i grew some like last uh I think it was last spring and they were the sweetest i've ever tasted a beet it was wow. like man these are good like i was just cutting and like no bitter to them at all mm-hmm. and so i think again you grow them yourself you appreciate them more and you're more likely to eat them so i i get the the kids out there trying different things we grew a couple of different type of cucumbers that uh and that's the other thing as a gardener right is grow things that you can't buy because yeah. what's the point otherwise? I mean, besides avoiding some of the chemicals and the food miles and stuff. Right, but like, right. That's the fun of gardening is like there is a whole other spectrum of what's available when you open a seed catalog and see that there's 40 varieties of carrots and, you know, God knows how many varieties of tomatoes there are in this world. Um, and plant something new. Plant something that, that you've never mm-hmm. tried before. So we grew some... Uh, Armenian white cucumbers and (laughs) they get like 14 to 16 inches long they have a a white to pale green uh, skin 
and they're a little more dense than a cucumber uh, that you're used to. Uh, but I like them more than the standard store-bought cucumber. They do have a little bit tougher of uh, skin on them, but um, the kids were like, you know, they got to try, oh, we grew a yellow cucumber too, and they're like, why is it yellow? Because like, it's a yellow cucumber. <laughs> so so we, we had like a little tasting, you know. We grew some of our regular cucumbers, some of our white ones, some of our yellow ones. We cut them up, and everyone got to try a piece, and we discussed which ones we like better and why we like them better and which ones we should grow again and which ones we shouldn't grow anymore. And, um, you know, that's where you start having discussion and sampling, and mm-hmm. then the, the students are... Uh, engaged with with agriculture because otherwise to them it's just like stuff your face eat you know like (laughs) right yeah it's just exactly i i can relate to that because uh this past year uh with the students that i had in person um we grew um mint it was mostly herbs but we only grew uh one vegetable um it was mint basil cilantro uh, tomatoes, and then I had, uh, what was it? It was beans. It was green. No, was it green beans? No, it wasn't green beans. No, it was green beans, but it was like purple. It oh, was a try. The purple pod. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, th- those were, I mean, those grew like four, uh, but that, w- that was it. But um, we had actually a plentiful amount of tomatoes and basil so i was like oh okay well let's make bruschetta so um i brought in some uh bread and then some balsamic vinegar and um mozzarella and i showed the kids like okay like about like the uh where like bruschetta comes from like you know like italy and then you know told them like this is how you can like make bruschetta like put it together and of course i figured out a new word it was bussin as <laughs> the kids told me so i was all like okay bussin they were like it, it's it means really good you know mr t i was like all right all right gotcha but just even seeing their faces of like they grew something and now they're eating it and just seeing the cycle that they can do it themselves too I think that it, it gives a greater, a greater appreciation of just showing people because I know that sometimes like confronting and just having that constant like confrontation of that, you know, you're just growing uh, herbs or growing plants and you're just like being a hippie outside. But there's a certain awareness that you have uh, that giving back to the environment and actually tending care for it, you actually, you know, get something out of it. So if we take care of our environment, people, maybe, you know, we will see what will happen, like actually good things, not just uh, the red tide that we're we're going through right now. So, <laughs> I was gonna say something that I completely forgot because I got entranced by what you were saying. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember. I was just gonna say that, like, I love the approach that you're taking because you're right. If you just say, "Hey, we should care about this and we should do that," and like you said, it becomes combatant and like people try to like bring opposite sides of things. But just getting involved and seeing firsthand the good things that can come out of things or, as I said before, the fruits of your own labor and kind of like work with that. I definitely think that that grows more of an appreciation of the whole process as opposed to just saying, no, you have to do this because it's better for you. Yeah, I think people should be account or yeah, people should be accountable of what what they do to to the environment to a certain extent. Well, and one of the things that I, I did um, around the, the when the pandemic started, too, and I think I had done this maybe a couple of times prior to that, but uh, as a 
perpetual plant propagator i like i i just can't help myself i start seeds like it's just Mm -hmm. fun for me so i always grow more plants than i need um i started um putting a bucket out on the curb in front of my house um and whenever i would have extra of certain plants i would put a little uh sign and it said like grow your own and then whatever it was like grow your own bananas and i would put like the plants in the bucket or you know grow your own tomatoes and i would put a couple plants out there and they disappear really quick and so i Hmm. know that there are people interested um and sometimes you know i'm I'm constantly outside working and i run into people and uh they're like oh my god i love your garden this is really cool you know we're trying to do grow whatever and just leading with the generosity and and by example uh, is going to start the conversation because now that person may not be successful but you can talk about what they can do to be successful right it becomes a whole community conversation as opposed to just do this (laughs) and i think that there's also uh you know there's learning that comes from failure as well that you see that what are some things that you did that may have not uh been successful and then talking about that and then you never know like the next time it 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 brings success and then you just think about okay what else can i do from this uh as well so then it starts to expand absolutely yeah you you're you're right there's people should not be afraid of failure failure Mm. is the greatest teacher it's just that you have to be reflective about it you can't just fail and then like give up right or or blame or or (laughs) i love to blame the oak tree in front of my house (laughs) (laughs) if i didn't have that oak tree my garden would grow so much better because i'd have so much more sun well no figure out what grows in your environment in your in your situation yeah it's funny the more that i hear you talk about growing plants and as a teacher myself like it's like growing people like you can't just treat all of them the same you gotta oh, figure yeah. out how each one yeah. of them works and what's best for each one of them, whether it's a person or whether it's a plant. Just take care of them as individuals and go based off of that. Yeah, Trial and error. <laughs> that's I, I think about that often. Uh, we hear so much about in, in the education world about um, you know, um, oh god, what's the the phrase? Um, I'm drawing a blank right now, but basically. Um, every student needs something different like, differentiation different, yeah differentiation, differentiation right yes, yes and so it's like as a gardener and i i don't have too many friends uh that i know of who are uh like public school teachers many of them are teachers in their own uh ways but um and it's so applicable that the differentiation it's like i said before this plant needs drier soil and no nitrogen. This plant needs a lot of potassium mm-hmm. and, and a lot of water. And and it needs to be in full sun. And this one needs shade. Like, those kids walk to your door and everyone, you know, it, it, it's almost like exact parallel. This kid needs to sit in the back of the room. You know, this kid needs constant verbal reminders. This mm-hmm. kid needs to sit in the front. You know, there's <laughs> like very specific locations that they need to be in, in certain needs. And there's one need like a visual cue that we're transitioning yeah, exactly. before we actually transition. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So then uh, before we uh, wrap it up, I want to give you a scenario and see what we can do with this. So let's oh, say you and your test scenarios. Oh, God, it's not a test. <laughs> I just love just throwing like a like a what if. I, I'm I'm a very what if type of person. Yeah. So what if I had a uh, hundred dollars and 
Where is this going? I know where he's going. Yeah, yeah. If I had $100 and I wanted, and I let's say I had, you know, like a, a small backyard, what can uh, I, I do? When should I start my gardening process? And what should I do? How can I create my own, like, small garden of, like, two to four plants or herbs? So, with $100, I would get with a bulk soil supplier and find a friend with a pickup truck willing to help you out. You can go to a you can go to a Home Depot, Lowe's, one of those stores and buy soil in a bag, but it's very expensive and you get very little. I can fill the back of my pickup truck for 30 bucks and have decent soil. Um, I might um, you know start with some containers. You can get um, shouldn't be giving away my secrets here but if you have a friend or family <laughs> member in the landscape trade um a lot of times they throw away their nursery pots or mm-hmm. they might have some sitting around waiting for they might have someone who buys them back from them but you can ask like say hey i want to start a garden do you have any like sort of big pots that i can fill up um and then i would get you know some seeds and again don't just run down to the big box store and get seeds um, go online. There's lots of seed suppliers. You can look up Johnny Seeds. Uh, you can look up Rare Seeds. Uh, that's um, oh God, what's the Rare Seeds? Um, Baker Creek. Um, there, there are several seed company Victory Seeds on the West Coast. Uh, I'm forgetting a lot of the East Coast Southern ones. Um, heir, just look up Heirloom Seeds for the Southeast if that's your region or wherever you're at. I know there may be people listening from from all over, uh, but yeah try to find seeds that are locally uh tailored for for where you're growing so you got seeds you got soil um and if you don't have a garden hose you know that's that's a that's a tool that uh you will not uh regret investing in a decent garden hose Uh, you're gonna be dragging it around a lot it's gonna you know i bought many cheap hoses and they rip they get caught on stuff as you're dragging them around and you end up with holes but sorry i think somebody's not gonna do it all right, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so, before we, we were talking about, talking garden, about oh, uh, what garden, garden hoses, hose. right? Yeah. Um, and maybe like a, a decent sprayer nozzle. I may be over a hundred dollars here, but you know, one that has a couple of different settings on there where you can have like maybe a mist setting. So when you're starting your seeds. Uh, you you don't like displace all of the seeds and make a mess of soil everywhere. <laughs> right. <laughs> that has happened to me. <laughs> you know, um, and, and so with truck full of soil, bunch of pots that you got for free, maybe hopefully uh, garden hose and a sprayer, some seeds. Um, if you got any money left over, maybe pick up some organic fertilizer of some sort. I'm a big advocate for using those organic fertilizers. Uh, they're usually in lower concentrations, uh, but that's good because there's not excess to run off into our ocean and uh, bay and stuff like that. Um, what else would you possibly need? Oh, for seed starting, just save like yogurt cups, poke a, bo- a hole in the bottom. You can use egg cartons, poke a hole in the bottom, just so the water, excess water drains out. You don't need to invest in anything fancy for seed starting. Um, I've seen people use an old ice cube tray and Mm -hmm. drill holes in the bottom of them. They're kind of shallow, so those might be better for starting things like lettuces. And and, um, uh, yeah, I wouldn't start anything too big. But even I've seen like solo cups. I used to um, save um, the 
there was a couple of restaurants that we would go to and they had clear plastic cups and I liked mm-hmm. using those for uh, rooting cuttings, which is a different topic. But um, just yeah, saving those. I mean, McDonald's cups or whatever you whatever you got laying around, you can you can find a way to make a container to start some seeds. Bam, and there you go. That is gardening on a budget. <laughs> so on that note, thank you so much for having us. But we do always ask our guests to <laughs> not our listeners, our guests. <laughs> <laughs> got it <that> time. <laughs> yeah, got it right that time. Uh, for their plus and delta. So a positive about our topic or otherwise, and then uh, delta a change that you would like to see on the topic or otherwise. So. Uh, and you can go in any order. Yeah, so the positive is that there are lots of new people getting into gardening with the uh, idea of doing it in a way that is uh, more environmentally friendly, even on the commercial scale. I know there are, gar- there are farmers now uh, investing in the idea of planting like every fifth row with flowering plants and native plants and stuff like that to help out the pollinator species, it saves them money in the long run because they're investing in their own land. Um, they may lose a slight amount on their, their harvest, but mm-hmm. it, it pays off more than what they're losing. Um, so there is that positive that people are doing things to improve the environment. The, the, the negative is that there's still a lot of people who need convincing to change their ways. Uh, but we have programs like uh, agriculture uh, education that are helping to inform people and hopefully we can bring more people over to understand I agree so mm-hmm. Kenny where can our listeners follow you um, I have an Instagram page uh, it is just my name backwards L-I-G underscore Y-N-N-E-K like to fly under the radar um, and <laughs> I guess I'm not on the radar now, but uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, that's that's my main form. You can see what all's growing in my garden, and it, I, I have a. Uh, um, you have such an array of like different types of uh, plants and vegetables. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool, and it's a journal for me. You know, I'm a very visual person. I like to to see those things. I tried keeping a written journal of what's going on in the garden, and I just like. I get four days behind and then it turns yeah. into like three weeks behind and I try to catch up and then it just became a mess. So like, it's easy. I have my phone on me. I can snap a picture when I'm inside, like taking a break in the air conditioner. I can write up a little thing. Oh, today this was flowering. And then I look back on them and okay, so it must be about this time is ready to harvest. And uh, yeah, so Instagram is a good place to find me. And also if you're interested in growing um, fruit trees, we have a club here in Tampa called the Rare Fruit Council International. Hmm. It's uh, the Tampa chapter. You can find more information at rarefruit.org. We meet the second Sunday of every month uh, here in Seminole Heights at the American Legion Post 111. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually our meetings start around one o'clock. We invite guest speakers to come talk about uh, growing different fruits. So uh, next month, uh, the month of August, we're going to have somebody come to talk about growing blueberries and oh, cool. what what uh, things you should be doing and how to how to grow blueberries here. Uh, we have really cool events like grow, uh, mango tasting every summer. We do a big citrus celebration so that the public can see all the different varieties of citrus that we can grow here in the state of Florida. And um, yeah, so come out and join us second Sunday of 
every month at American Legion Post 111 for the Rare Fruit Council meeting. Well, that sounds fruitacular. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, thank you so much, and we'll be back with our own Plus and Delta about the conversation. This silence is brought to you by Jerome, planning to interrupt you every time you have a conversation ready. I was smiling, hey. and actually, I was just waiting to be quiet. Man, these damn flies. No, it's fine. The reason I made that comment is because for those of you that don't get to hear all of our outtakes, despite the fact that a lot of the times our interviews sound like outtakes, is the fact that prior to starting recording, uh, we talked about, oh, who's going to bring us back from our little commercial break that time? And Jerome said, oh, you can bring us back. And then luckily he failed recording, but he started recording and then he talked first. So I don't get a say often. Well, usually I think with our interviews and with our episodes, we're just raw, uncut, and ready to go in deep. Is this an Eddie Murphy album? <laughs> no. Wait, Eddie Murphy has an album called Raw, Uncut, and Going in Deep? Not exactly, but I think it's Eddie Murphy that says something like that. Either that or you can blame me for Erasure later. There was a different black comedian. Oh, so you're just grouping all the black comedians together. We're just all one monolith. No, here. that is not what I'm doing, but that is what I get accused of anytime I make that type of mistake. So Cancel. I'm just... Yeah. Go ahead, cancel me. But speaking of being canceled, you know who's not canceled? Our guest, Gil. Because he's going green. And he's trying to do the best for himself and the environment. So He may be canceled among uh, people who do not care about the environment. Yeah, those are the people that actually need to be canceled. Now, well, not, well, it needs to be erased from and eradicated from the earth. Right. And I'm not really a fan of cancel culture, but... I mean, come on, literally every city, state, country is facing all-time high temperatures. There's fires everywhere. We're literally burning to the ground. So if at this point... you All hurricanes? Think, right. Multiple hurricanes yeah. and just like amounts of rain constantly. Yeah. So if at this point you don't think there's something going on with our environment, I, I can't talk to you. <laughs> I think that sometimes people... <laughs> Forget the lack of reasoning and evidence, and I know that we said this on our last episode uh, with Adonis that, you know, please come with some empirical evidence and data. But speaking about gardening... Uh, <laughs> we were not speaking about gardening. That's yes, the we worst segue. <laughs> yes, we were. We were talking about going green. That's gardening. Yep. The only way to go green is gardening. Yes. <laughs> because recycling is shit. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, speaking of gardening, what were you going to say? Um, I was going to say that I've actually um, started hydroponic uh, gardening oh, look at, um, at our school. And, well, really, I just passed it on to somebody else, but I gave them, like, oh, okay, here's what you can start off with and so forth, mm -hmm. and uh, had, like, a solar panel uh, connected, so that felt great to Good. pass on the responsibility. But what I want to say about with Kenny, I think that his whole idea of just, like, wanting to get other people just to plant shit was, like, it's motivating to do because... If you don't succeed, just try again and just see what happens with it. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing that I got to remember. 
the whole like idea of trial and error and I feel like as someone that is a teacher I should be better at trial and error um, we say that and I feel like we're perfectionists right it, well I just feel like there's and I know this is true of everybody but it's more blatant in my own mind that like you know you're either good at something or you're not but I know you can perfect things you can practice them you can get better and that's something that I preach often ooh look but, what you just said thank you I guess perfect things yeah we shouldn't perfect things because there's always room for improvement yeah that's another thing that I always try to like preach and say to my students and other people that I talk to but I guess I'm much more what's the word it's not self-conscious I'm just harder on myself than I am on other people so like when I fail at things I have a harder time coming back from it so I know when I first moved into my house, there's a section on my patio, backyard, whatever you want to call it, that um, I was going to try to garden and plant some things. Um, but my mistake was I didn't realize that my house didn't have gutters and it was at the edge of the roof. So whenever it rains, it just like waterfalls in that spot of the house. Ooh, so it made like huge dips. Right. So it made dips. Everything was getting overwatered and died right away. So after that, I just didn't try again. I was like, it doesn't work, and I can never do this in my house. So I didn't try again, but now that I'm finally cleaning up my yard a little bit more, maybe I'll try some other spots and give it another chance. Yeah, I think that um, I would recommend doing like a raised bed, um, just getting some uh, wood. Well, wood's expensive right now. So you know what? It's just getting better. Is it? Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's also ways to like... Um, you can get one of those like tubs. Yeah, yeah. Those but, metal tubs, those are really. Yeah, cool. that too. But what I was gonna say was repurpose things. I know, for example, we have for whatever reason at my house a lot of old pallets. So maybe like reusing those wood. You can do a horizontal, yeah. or like a horizontal like gar- uh, garden. Yeah, like a just... garden wall. Type yeah, of thing. yeah, yeah. Or I know what we're planning on currently using those pallets for is to actually make like an outdoor bench. Uh, like a little non-sectional sexual outdoors so look at y'all being handsy I, handsy? you mean handy? sure that part cause handsy is like you're touching people with hands and I don't want that to be well you're using your hands to build things so you can be handy and handsy <laughs> <laughs> sure we'll stick with that um but yeah no def- definitely a thing and I'm not necessarily trying to Rush or plus Delta here, but I think I'm just going to throw my Delta out there because it relates to everything that I'm saying and is we need to get better at not giving up. Something that both in our interview with Kenny, Gil, I we go back and forth with what we call him, um, but we talked about it with him and we've talked about it with other people and I think it's just a recurring theme between our episodes and things that I'm learning to grow on my own and it's we need to be better at not giving up when the going gets tough. Uh, whether that's your garden failed, that whether it's your business startup didn't work, um, or just some goal that you had, whether it was working out or whatever, just don't give up the first time as soon as it fails. I would so. like to add on to that because I feel like failure is a part of growth and right. that there's so much that you can learn from that failure. And I think that, especially when it comes to gardening, in terms of um, teaching, just 
even passing a test, <laughs> all those things, like you are going to fail at it. And I think that just understanding what may inhibit you to maybe succeed the first time, then just trying it again, I think that you're going to do better from that. And if you don't, then that's okay. Yeah, I don't know if this is a quote from somebody else that maybe I'm just ingrained into my brain and I'm going to steal, but something that I like to say a lot, particularly to my students, and again, that I need to work on better personally, is the only true failure is the one you don't learn from. So, like, if you... It sounds like someone put that on a Hallmark card. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Or it's one of those, like... Um, What's it called? Like Quote.com. Oh, yeah. Or one of those paintings. It's not paintings on the word I'm looking for. Oh, oh canvas. Can that, oh, that you buy, like, like Home Goods or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it says, like, teamwork and something, like, sarcastic yeah, yeah. quote on underneath. But, but it's so true, though. Like, you said failure is part of the process. It's part of growth. So if you're learning, like, see what mistakes you did, how can you fix those mistakes? Or if you find out that something's truly not for you, at least find out why. That way, the next time you try something different, you can have those things in your mind and ready to go. I think if you don't do that, that's the only time you've truly failed. So, And that was actually my plus. So I'm just going to say the way how I'm going to say it. Yeah, go if for it. you don't succeed, just <laughs> off and try again. Do you know that song? No, but it was greatly sung by Jerome Tompkins. Oh I needed. I'm just gonna introduce you to like '90s R&B music. No, and, and remember, it is possible that I know this song, but I'm terrible with lyrics and I'm terrible Absolutely. with artist names. So, like, and you're also a great singer. So, it is possible that I've heard. Look, I am song the next John about. Legend. No, I. Uh, you know, I ate John Legend, and I am him. So my plus <laughs> was I love. Kenny's way of approaching things when it comes to teaching because during our interview I asked him like how does he encourage people to start something like gardening that has a very low success rate at least for starters and especially how does he encourage something like that that might not seem um, interesting on face value to someone like kids and his response was just that and this is not an exact quote but that he doesn't force it on anybody. He just shows it to them, gives them the opportunity to try it and see if they like it or not, see what they can get out of it. And I think the way he put it is like, at the end you get to reap the fruits of your labor, almost quite literally in his case, um, of just, if you try it, you work hard for it, you're gonna enjoy it and you're gonna keep doing it. And it's not something that you should force onto anybody. And I think whether you're a teacher or whether you're trying to persuade somebody to maybe watch a show something small like that or have a certain belief you can't just force your beliefs and your thought processes and everything else onto somebody else but if you can introduce it to them and be like hey look at this give it a try whatever it may be i think that's a much more conducive way of teaching than just forcing your thoughts opinions and beliefs onto somebody else I would say the same thing as well, just like presenting information and just seeing where they go with it. Now, on the other hand, though, I feel like that some people, I know that you can catch more, uh, what is it, what's the saying? Catch more flies with honey than vinegar. But at the same time, if someone comes like, I feel like with like a crass opinion, then 
I'm going to have my beliefs. I'll listen to their beliefs, but then I'm going to have my thoughts and opinions. And that if they don't like it, um, sometimes when I explain my thoughts, it's not for someone to take their own thoughts like, oh, well, whatever Jerome says, I'm going to, you know, believe what he says and just move on from there. No, I'm just going to state my opinion. And that's how I feel about it. Just to let you know where right. I stand. And, and that's it. And just like move on with that. Um, right. And I think that's kind of like what both Kenny was going for. And what I was trying to say is you can't and sometimes even shouldn't force your opinion on anybody else but giving the opportunity to listen to each other and to share those opinions and creating that open space where people feel comfortable and hashtag Brene Brown vulnerable enough to um, share their thoughts opinions and beliefs I think that's the best thing we can do yes and I think what going on with that my delta was that um, withholding information because that was one thing that I know with in terms of I'm glad that Kenny shared his tips and I know that he was very apprehensive at first. <laughs> oh, like where to buy things and all that. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Where just where where to buy things or even just like how the way that like planting and um, you know just like gardening works. And I know that everyone has like their own tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that only works for just a short. Uh, amount of time and just it's not going to help for the long run it's not going to be sustainable if we withhold information from one another I mean that's pretty much like what's happening when we're understanding right now of like tax brackets and how that works in terms of why is you know Mm -hmm. for instance like people who are wealthier are getting all these tax breaks compared to people who are working you know Mm -hmm. a nine to five job and then they you know come to realize that oh when you're in different certain brackets or you make certain donations then you know you can write that off and it benefits you so that's why whenever someone at walmart or Publix asks me to donate money i do not donate at all Mm. i tell them you know what just pay just pay me especially when it comes to education pay me i'm a fucking teacher and (laughs) you know that's actually going to help then someone who owns the company they're just going to write it off because it benefits them at the end of the day and do they i don't even know if they really use it so shout outs to that just to let y'all know, hashtag Jerome Facts of the Day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love the Jerome Facts. Um, and I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, as far as like the withholding information you said is not sustainable. Something that I think about with that too is whenever it comes to like various art forms or let's stick with that before I get sidetracked. So with various art forms, so whether that's cooking, music, um... Etc. If you want others to grow, and I think this is something Leon mentioned also in his, on their interview with him, that how do you create more restaurants? How do you build more chefs? How do you create more artists and musicians and whatever? If you're so focused on just being the best that you keep everything to yourself, because as you said, as far as the sustainability goes, if we can't create a partnership with each other, then your growth is only going to last so long. Absolutely, Because you you need the supporters. You need the people. And how do you keep supporters without bribing them? You work with them. You teach them things. You share your information. They'll teach you something new. You teach them something new. 
So that collaborative working process is what keeps things like the arts or um, academics and science and all those things together. We talked about it with Adonis too. Whenever he does his research or did his research, he collaborated with other people in the program. Right. Even if they didn't have the same end goal, but their information matched up. They worked together. So that need for collaboration and not withholding information. Now, of course, be safe. Don't just be like, oh, here's my address and social security number. Yeah, but, we're not saying giving out, you know, credit cards or anything. Right, but if it, you want to, then <laughs> just send it over to me. Right. But when, it, <laughs> but when it comes to the learning process, any of that thing, any of those things should not be withheld. I like, I like how you said that, the learning process. Yeah. So, yes, because we're all learning and growing. And we want you all to learn with us. So join us on our social media, which is Twitter at Plus Delta Pod, uh-huh. Instagram Plus Delta Pod, and Facebook Plus Delta Podcast. I finally did it right for once. Yeah, it's really funny because I'm usually the one that talks about the social media and watching Jerome trying to make sure that he gets all the names properly was fantastic. I wish you all could have seen his face. Um, on that note, we're also currently in developing our website. It, you'll see more to come, but we do have our website, plusdelta.org, um, where you can have links to our episodes, and soon we'll have a little blog section open where we talk more in depth about our episodes and have more of our opinions that we can't always fit into an episode. So feel free to contact us on all the social media formats that Jerome just mentioned and eventually on our website as well because we definitely want to hear your thoughts and maybe even tell us who else to interview next because we have lots of interesting things that we want to talk about but I'm sure there's other things that we've never even thought about. Yeah, maybe so. we, we should have like maybe a listener section. I don't know, like listener letters? I don't know. Let's do it. Okay. That's it. But listeners, you have to send us those letters. So we yeah, we'll figure out an email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we do have an email and every way to contact that's on there. If you look actually, I don't know if Jerome has paid attention to this, but no. if you look at our Twitter and Instagram, we do have a link tree as well on there for all the ways that you can reach us. So Well look at God. I know, look at me <laughs> fitting into the twenty first century like a true millennial. Um, but anyway, thanks everyone for listening. All right. Have a great week. See you all. Bye.